Hello there. Aaron here at Dad in the Trenches. Just want to say a quick welcome. Thanks for tuning in today. For anyone that this might be your first time, a very special welcome, and I'm glad you're here. For our longtime listeners, simple thank you. Thank you so much for those of you that have left star ratings and reviews. For those of you that interact on social media or who send direct messages or emails, uh, I really enjoy interacting and getting to know you all. And uh, just a huge thank you for being a part of Dad in the Trenches. The mission of Dad in the Trenches is really simple. This is a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. And this podcast is an extension of that mission. I talk to dads from all different spectrums and experiences of life, and uh, today's guest is no exception. I think you're really going to enjoy. For those of you that are longtime listeners and haven't done so, if you would, please, just take a quick second, leave a star rating. If you're in uh, the Apple podcast app, go to the main page for Dad in the Trenches, scroll down, there's a place where you tap stars. All you've got to do, really simple, just helps the algorithms and podcast world know that this is something that you find of value and think others should be able to find when they search for dad or Christian or fatherhood. And if you're so inclined, have a few extra minutes to leave an actual written review. Super helpful for when other dads are searching and looking for podcasts. Read through the reviews to find out what Dad in the Trenches is about. Super helpful as well. And more than anything, if this is something that the Lord has just been using, that's been encouraging for you, share it with another dad that may not have it or have heard of it yet. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. Well, guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is a new kind of man, Mr. Chad Zook. Chad, thanks so much for joining us here at Dad in the Trenches. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, man. Um, so you and I connected, gosh, probably around the beginning of this year, maybe early 2019, if not late 2018. We just gotten to know each other. And uh, man, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. You feel really kindred. And I was just so excited to get to uh, uh, get to connect and now let's get to connect and, and lay down uh, lay down some audio together on some what's really important uh, topic of masculinity. Absolutely, absolutely. That is uh, that is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm ready to go. 
So, you know, give us a, a little bit about your yourself, a little bit about your background, uh, where you hail from, family dynamics, current life, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm originally from Illinois, a Midwesterner, and served in the Navy as soon as I got out of high school and served actually on a couple different aircraft carriers. I worked on F-18s, and that led me into the aviation world where I went to college and did that prior to the Lord uh, revealing a different plan for us. And we stepped out of the aviation world after being in it for near about 10 years. And uh, and now I'm in full-time ministry and we've uh, we went back to Florida for a little while uh, and was on a ministry staff there for five years. And we have been in Dublin, Georgia okay. for almost nine years. Awesome. Well, one, just, you know, for all of us and listeners, thank you so much for your service. You truly have been and are a dad in the trenches on many levels. So thanks for your service and all that you've done. Yeah. Thanks for your support. Um, See, so how long have you been married now? Um. We actually just got married 25 years ago. <laughs> it seems like we just got married. It seems like we're just still kids again. We got married at 19. And yeah, so we are uh, in, in a couple months, we will be married 26 years. Man, we got two kids, a 20, thank you, a 23 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. Huge changes in. In our household over the last month, my daughter got her driver's license, so there that has a, just been a whirlwind, and she is not afraid of driving. <laughs> so she is not afraid to go, so she does that from time to time and uh, as much as she can and uh, with her time schedule. And then my son, actually, this is his second night in his own place. Oh, man. <laughs> so huge. Huge changes. You're halfway to empty nesters. I know. Uh, man, I, I don't even feel like I'm halfway. I'm literally like two years. And that's, you know, those high school years. So I just, woo. That's awesome. It, it's wonderful, though. I mean, we have we have great kids. And we're a close family. And, yeah. Um, weathered some yeah. storms, and, and God is amazing. That's that's great. Tell a uh, you know everybody kind of has a, a story re- regarding dad and the influence of father. You know, tell us a little bit about yours just growing up. Yeah, I uh, I'll give you a condensed version. My parents divorced when I was four. Okay, and I felt like uh, you know I I didn't really know where I belonged all through my upbringing and my. Uh, my, my mother left, and she was making some bad choices. So then, my uh, my father raised my brother and I. Hmm. And you know, he's he's like many of us. We we have a great relationship now. I had a great conversation earlier today, actually. But you know, he he didn't really know what it meant to be a dad. He was just trying to do the best he could. And um, through that, there were. You know, there's a, some some brokenness that happened and some confusion that happened, and mm. we didn't see eye to eye. And uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, mm. and it was through just a series of events. But uh, ultimately, it was through the birth of my son that uh, that that I accepted Christ, and I. Mm. It was the overwhelming thought: Oh my goodness, I am a father, and I don't even know how to be a father. Mm. 
and there was a couple of very, very just so important of conversations that I had early when uh, when my son was not even born yet, but then right after he was born, that we got invited into a church um, that these people loved us and they cared for us. And because of them uh, and, and just their welcoming nature, there was a couple of men at the church who welcomed me in. And what really brought me to Christ was the overwhelming sense that I had a father who loved me. And because of that, there was hope that I could be the father that he wanted me to be. So, mm. and I realize it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's true nonetheless, is I have learned how to be a father by being fathered by God. Mm. So, wow. and, and I'm saying that it's been, that my end has been perfect. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been. Uh, and I've learned a lot of things the hard way, and I haven't been the best dad. But, uh, you know, but it's been... Uh, it's been great, and, and we have two great kids, and God's been so gracious and kind to to teach us, teach us things along the way and, and teach us the value of forgiveness. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and praise God, that's so good. Um, I mean, I might even be speaking a little out of turn. It, it seems even, you know, in a lot of divorce situations, too, that most of the kids go with mom. And so for for you to still have a presence of a father, you know, how did that how did that just help you or, or maybe hinder you? I mean, you mentioned brokenness, of course, but just like okay. on the journey of becoming a man, you know, having him present in certain regards, how did that, how did that help or hurt? Yeah. Great question. It, it I would say the, the, the number one thing that, that my dad passed on to me was a strong work ethic huh. and he himself, that's what he knew to do. And he was raised in that way. To, to work hard, and my dad still works hard. He uh, he'll be seventy at the end of this year, mm-hmm. and still works hard. And we go hiking, and <laughs> do, we do a lot together. We're active, and, and a lot of that relationship has been restored. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I didn't necessarily feel like I was wanted by either my mother or my father. So mm-hmm. that was where the broke comes in. And the only yeah. way that I can explain it is. I felt like that that I was the the handkerchief in the middle of a tug of war, and it wasn't a matter of winning me. It was just a matter of winning. I felt like they were just trying to win over one another. Yeah, and I was so long for the ride. So yeah. that left into a lot of confusion and a lot of hurt. Honestly, of then me not understanding the value of women mm. or or girls. So it led me to make some terrible choices in my adolescence. And I brought all those into marriage. Yeah. You know, I didn't bring, I didn't bring any wisdom into marriage. I can tell you. Mm. And uh, and yet, that through that, um, as God has been restoring me, He's also been equipping me and and my wife to to pursue Him. And and uh, yeah, so it's it's been quite a journey. Yeah. So it did take me with my parents, and unfortunately, what it shaped or how it shaped me earlier, excuse me, was just teaching me what I didn't want to do. Mm. And, uh, and there's really no wisdom in that. I used to think that there was, but that just makes you like, you know, <laughs> like a pinball, yeah. really. It was just, I, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. And now the man that I'm becoming is, uh, is truly, uh, is, I think, scripted out in, in, 
in the Bible, and and I'm seeing that how effective that is in the home and raising kids, yeah. and also love my wife well. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so let's talk too. You know, so you pastor a church um, in Georgia, and um, again, maybe it's cliche. Uh, it seems like it, you hear it more and more. Um, but why aren't guys? Why aren't fathers? Why aren't men engaged? in this life of God, you know, it seems like so many churches, um, so many pastors, you know, they have, there's never a, a problem getting volunteers, for instance, um, mm-hmm. for, for women, you know, but guys don't step up or, you know, we have, Hey, we have a men's thing and like nobody shows up, you know, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective being on that side of the table of, you know, what do you see as some of the reasons why, um, and maybe not even church stuff. Let's just say, why aren't men more engaging with God? Mm. Well, I, I don't think churches, by and large, have done a very good job of inviting men into it. The the environments in most churches are very feminine. Mm. You look around, it's feminine. It's not very welcoming when you go in, everything about it. Men typically aren't the most social beings, you know, so there's, there's a pressure to be social all the time as well. And, and I think at the core of it, I I believe that that churches want to do well and uh, they want to do well by men, but they just have done a very poor job of showing a man or giving a man the opportunity to to carry his masculinity in the church. It's almost as if he has to leave his masculinity at the door, and then you need to come in and play the role as Mr. Nice Guy while you're, while you're inside the doors of the right. church or operating in church functions. And, and it's not giving men the permission to be men. Hmm. And so it's, it's kind of by default, I guess, it's just putting them in situations to enact to act more feminine or effeminate and men by and large are rejecting it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately what's rejecting it and going to is something that is just destroying families, really society as a whole. Mm-hmm. So this is uh my wife and I actually were just having a conversation about this and I just thanked her that she's, she is the woman that got us placed in my life that she understands the value of, of me being a man and, her helping me in that journey as much as she can. I, I believe that men become, or boys become men in the accompaniment of other men, not women. Totally. And through the initiation process and the the passing on, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the stage of being a man. Yeah. And so we were just having this conversation, and I thanked her because she has modeled that so well and she's encouraged me as a man and she's never uh since we've had this this awareness and and i've shared it with her she's never led me to uh something that is feminine and thinking well i need to be this way instead she she sees the man that i'm becoming and that she uh and she approves of it and she is supportive in every way yeah but uh yeah but by and large i don't think churches are i think that they that they they want men to leave their masculinity. In one hand, they cheer them on and they say, "You need to be the you need to be the man of your home," and yet they're not equipping him to do that. Hmm. It's it churches by and large, or unfortunately, I'm speaking very broadly, <laughs> but I, there's a lot of effeminate pastors. 
huh. and not masculine pastors. So then that leads into a dynamic of a softening of the congregation. Huh. And so then it's more comfortable for ladies, and then which is why you see more women in churches than men. And the one of the underlying things that I've said here at this church since we've been here is uh, I operate under this belief that if you go out and you speak to the men, that you'll also be able to reach the the mothers and the children. Mm-hmm. But if you just minister to the wives, mm-hmm. you're going to get the wives and children until the children turn 18, and then most likely they're not going to come back to church mm-hmm. because they're going to follow the example of the father, which in the father in this dynamic is at home. Right. So we have been very strategic and made a lot of mistakes, had some great successes, but a, a lot of mistakes too along the way of trying to to be a church that is aware of the masculine presence mm-hmm. while at the same time not not raising a church that's a bunch of meatheads, for lack of a better term. <laughs> you know, because we're not trying to do that either. We're not, you know, we're not sure. trying to do that. It's like, uh, Jesus wasn't that. So right. Jesus was uh, was the complete man, and yet he also displayed every feminine quality and male quality he had within his own being. So, yeah, uh, of the he displayed those imperfections. So, yeah. within our masculinity, he's our guide. Yeah, you know. Also, just being a a pastor and a leader of a church, you know, there's there's this tendency for pastors, for instance, to be isolated or put on a pedestal so you know you can't help but perform or act or try to be perfect and you know so many pastors are depressed and end up being burned out like you know how do you stay grounded and humbled and fueled and you know maintain vulnerability have life-giving relationships truly be known Um, how do you combat that yourself yeah i think the the core message in that is humility And I think it was Andrew Murray who said that basically that humility is the virtue of which all of the virtues hang off of, Mm -hmm. um, or it's something really close to that. And so it's humility, and uh, and that comes in many forms. I I can tell you, I have a band of brothers around me. Yeah. That you know, if I get if I get too high and mighty, they're going to knock at my door and they're going to (laughs) say, "Really?" Um. So, and, and we, we do have fun together and, and that kind of thing, but also they, they, they know when I'm bluffing or they know when, when something's off. Yeah. Uh, I, my wife also, she and I, I mean, being married all these years, there, there's really nothing that, that just about nothing that we won't talk about. So she's the first one to, to call it. If something's, if something's off, she's going to know. And, uh, you know, it's really easy when you're when you're a pastor to to not be yourself or to be a people pleaser, and uh, and that's a really really hard thing. And I I went through that the first few years here actually to where I was overly concerned hmm. what people thought of me. So then they, it was act. You said acting. Yeah. And in many ways, I was I was preaching and all of that, but I, but it wasn't it wasn't as authentic as what it should have been, and because I was too concerned with what people thought of me, yeah. Uh, and 
when I say this, um, I don't, I'm not trying to say, well, now it's okay that I'm rude. Um, of course, I'm not meaning that. <laughs> right. But, but, but I, I, had to, I had this big aha moment when I was going through Galatians and, uh, and the verse, I believe, it's, it, I think it's Galatians 2.10 or 1.10. It says, are you trying to seek the approval of God or of men? Mm-hmm. And it was like a wow moment for me. And I was like, and, and that I'm still feeling the shock wave of that. And that's been five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and to me, it, it's really allowed me to, to rest in God. And whenever I, I, I preach his word, I first go out. And if, if I preach a message that I know he's given me to preach, it doesn't matter if uh, if everybody stands and applauses, you know, gives me an applause, yeah. or if I get forty eight amens, or if everybody sits in awkward silence. <laughs> At the end of the day, I can walk off the stage knowing that I honor God first, yeah, and 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 going from there. So that's really helped me to not feed my shadow side, yeah, and and the whole ego, and uh, and the ego, I think is is. Obviously, it's the antithesis of humility. So, between my band of brothers, that that scripture that has just torn me apart multiple times, and uh, and I think the other thing I would say is are the spiritual disciplines. I I added in a it's a Sabbath rhythm, not a full blown Sabbath rhythm, and I'm not legalistic when it comes to this. Uh, in the scriptures, uh, Ten Commandments, it says, remember the Sabbath. So I try to do that and honor the Lord with my Sabbath, and that happens to be on Saturdays. Yeah. So for me, that, when I'm the most, when I'm tired, and I went for years without a day off, period, thinking it all relied upon me, mm-hmm. and yet then think about that dynamic of thinking it all revolved around me, and then at the same time that I was so concerned about what people thought of me. Right. Think about that was doing to me. Yeah. And that was like a, that was a wicked ride that I'd put on myself. Mm. You know, I put myself on that ride and, and I was the, you know, I was, the, I was the, the person, the, the carny running that carnival ride <laughs> and I was on the ride and I had a full blast yeah. and it was all me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and I cannot overstate that. Like that would be impossible to overstate. So now, uh, on my Sabbath day on Saturday, I don't look at them at all, like at all. And if I'm done with it, if, if whatever I have is what I have, and I trust God with it, it allows me then to to just disengage from work and then connect with family or or other things that we're doing, other life giving relationships. Yeah. So I don't get caught up in the in the character of being a pastor or the preacher. Yeah, that's good. And, and the other. I guess one thing, if I can add one more thing to that. Sure. Um, for me, I always see it as my responsibility to continually have, uh, instead of, of what most people would see as a pyramid with you know the key leaders, the person on top, I every time that I see that pyramid being formed, I lop the top of it off, and I invite other people up into another sphere of leadership. Hmm. So I allow them to exercise leadership while I still have the basically the, the overall perspective. Sure. But yet I'm allowing to exercise leadership, but yet I'm just giving oversight. Yeah. 
and that's been wonderful. That that has allowed me then other people can preach without me feeling like, well, I have to because I'm you know I'm the pastor and all those kinds of things. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it's it's all of these things. There's there's no magic bullet. It's all of these things that uh, they really the God has shown me along the way that's kept me out of the the more the the immoral ditches and the uh, and the sinful destructive ditches yeah that's good that's really good so I, I want to talk a little bit too just as we're still along along these lines um, mm-hmm. I, as I survey what's going on, if you, if you could say in the realm of masculinity in society, um, mm-hmm. you survey what's going on in social media, you survey some of these currents of masculinity, you know, you've got on one side, there's this emergence of what I would just say is stoicism. You know, there's this, mm-hmm. um, it's it's very cerebral. It's very calculated. It's very um, dutiful to the tenets of being a man. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you boil it down, it's it's counter to the gospel of Jesus. You know, stoicism right. is I'm going to do this. You know, it's very self reliant. It's very you are your mm-hmm. own sovereign person and the master of your ship. And mm-hmm. Then when you look, though, at the person of Jesus and you look at a gospel-centered life, it's about, actually, it's about denying yourself and taking up your cross. And, right. and so I want to get your thoughts on what do, you, what do you see? What do you see with Christian men or with this emergence of stoicism? It's, it's almost like kind of sneaking in the church um, that's really taking us away from the truth. It sounds good. It it mm-hmm. yep yeah, it'll produce results at least for a while. How do you see this playing out? What's your experience been? What do you see in this with Jesus living a gospel center life? Yeah, with with Stoicism and Christianity, the similar one similarity is they're both monotheistic. But the problem with Stoicism is, and you allude to it, is you become your own god. You become the creator of your own destiny. Right. You become a man of virtue, and so it's it is dutiful. It's a matter of you doing all of these things, and it's and it's this idea of of striving and doing that. And yet, I think it sounds intriguing to men, generally speaking, in in the church and outside the church, because when you talk about virtue, you you know, virtue and character and integrity, those kinds of things, that is compelling, absolutely, and. So cycling back to a question we had a little bit ago, uh, generally speaking, the stoic model of masculinity seems more, quote-unquote, manly than Christianity because every reason that I just said. Right. So I think it's also – I think men are searching. We've always been searching. Yeah. Uh, I mean, stoicism has been around since before the birth of Christ. Right. So I think in that there's this search, and it's like, well, maybe some people looked in the church or they looked at Christianity, and maybe they heard of 
of Jesus and they saw him just he himself in an effeminate light or maybe just the, the imagery that we would see around churches of Jesus or right. him holding a lamb or a child <laughs> and we would think that's less than manly right um, and yet stoicism it says well in essence you can be your own man it's up to you right um, and yet the, the call of the gospel just like you said is deny yourself take up your cross and follow me so it's denying ourself because uh, with Stoicism, it says, well, if you just get to your more centered self and you just work on yourself, eventually uh, the law boss or reason is what the – this is a similarity, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus is law boss. He is reason, if you yeah. will, and that's what it says in, in John 1. Yes. But it also says that he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. Yes. With Stoicism, it says, well, reason is within you. Hmm. But, but the main difference that people have to understand, that men need to grasp hold of, is the reason why you can't, one of the reasons why you can't trust the, the Stoic side of it is because what's in you has been tainted by sin. Mm-hmm. So you have to leave, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Christ. That means you have to deny yourself, lay down your false self. So you can receive your true self, which is going to be the spirit-filled self. Yeah. Come on. And that's the Christian life, not the stoic life. I get it. I mean, I even look at, I, I, I dare to even talk about it because. Yeah, we don't have to name names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I won't do that. But I, I dare, I, I dare to talk about it because there's so many splinters. It's like, it's like within Christianity, there's always like this outlier this, this Christian outlier that they say, well, oh, Christianity, what about this? What about them? You know, what about this group? And it's the same thing with the, with Stoicism. There's, there's splinters of it. Sure. But the, the, the core of it is, is what I was speaking into, that it's a matter of you. Yeah. And, uh, but yet, you know, there is, there is another commonality that as far as God has given human beings a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. A lot of ability to 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 determine some outcomes, some energy, vitality. We we can make our own choices. Of course, it's under the sovereignty of God. Of course, but yet He's given us a lot of agency. And the 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 ruling nature that we're told that we have the ability to that male and female are given the the ability to rule creation, exercise dominion. To be fruitful and multiply, there's all sorts of agency in that. There's all sorts of things that should call men out of their shells to say, wow, God has given us the ability as men to go and explore and to have adventures with God, to be able to go do things and, and to, to go to the far-reaching parts of the earth and not to live you know, in our houses and then gather together as, as men of God just in our stained-glass buildings. You know, and I think, well, that's all that life is. I, I, I'm going to speak pretty, pretty bluntly, but I think in many ways the church has castrated men, and yet there's a stoicism has given men that says, no, there, here's true vitality. Just take hold of this. Right. Right. And uh, so I see the fallacy. Mm-hmm. I see the fallacy in the church, but also I see the, the fallacies within stoicism. And then, and then I look at, you know, I look at the life of Jesus. 
And, and it says in Luke 2.52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with, in favor with man. This is the reason why these are the pillars of a new kind of man. This yeah. is the reason why. This is based off of Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom. So out of that, I put intellectual growth. Or I drew out intellectual growth. We need to be growing intellectually. The Stoics, that's in alignment with Stoicism. Sure. Physical strength, that's in alignment with Stoicism. Yep. Uh, and so, so Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That is physical strength, and in favor with God. In that is basically growing spiritually, spiritual depth, spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So, you no, know, that would be a clear line that is different with Stoicism and Christianity, right? Right. And, and what I'm adhering to, because I'm looking at it as Jesus being the, the the perfect male, the archetype of masculinity. So because of that, I look at him, and, and, and it said that he grew in these ways, in in favor with God. Yeah. So we have to do the same. We have to shed, the, and, and another reason why it, that, that my work is called A New Kind of Man, it's based off of Paul's writings about putting away the old man and taking up the new man. Mm-hmm. That's what this is based off of. So there's, there is agency in that, too. It's working with God, working with the Spirit of God as He's, he's helping us to shed layers of false self. Yeah. yeah. And some of that would be in alignment with some of the philosophical views of Stoicism, but yet it's the Spirit that does that. Yes, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's not just my own effort. Yeah. As Paul writes, it's Christ in you, the hope right. of glory. It's the Spirit moving yes. and working in you. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what, what Dallas Willard, he, uh, he, he was a, a Southern Baptist minister and also a philosopher from USC. He said this. He said, grace is not opposed to effort. Yeah. It is opposed to earning. Yeah. So say, the say effort, that again. That's good. The, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Yeah. And that's Dallas Willard. And what he's saying is the grace that we receive, it's not, it's not opposed to effort. I mean, we can experience the graces of God, and, and yet we, to into, into the spiritual growth side of things, we should be taking on some spiritual disciplines or the elements of spiritual formation so that we can become the men that God wants us to be. And so we have agency. We have some things that we can do to work with God to get in the flow of the Spirit, so to speak. But yet, as opposed to earning, meaning the salvation is, it comes up, okay, you know, it's to the grace of God. It's not because of our own earning yeah. um, that we receive salvation, but sanctification yeah. is how we work with God um, and get in alignment of the Spirit, not to satisfy the desires of the flesh, but to live in the Spirit, is where it says in Galatians 5. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. The, the last pillar of my work, and, and the last thing that's mentioned in Luke 2.52, it says that Jesus grew in favor with God and men. So the, the last pillar that I added was relational integrity. Mm. Relational integrity. Yeah. And, and that, too, is, is working, I believe, in, in opposition to what... Stoicism is in, in how Jesus grew because Stoicism, it is, you know, you keep to yourself and all this. You could, you're always in control of your emotions and, and controlled. And, and while there's nothing wrong with that, we need, to, we need to have a rein on 
on anger and those kinds of things. We should never hit a woman or a child, you know, none of that, of course. But yet the relational integrity side is we have to be honest about what's happening inside of us so that we can be real with those outside of us. And so it's that relational integrity, what's going on inside of me. And let's, let's deal with the issues here. Let's talk about the, my emotional health. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's not just skirt that in, in some, well, that's not, you know, in some talk, well, that's just not what a man does. Right. You know, because I believe firmly that God gave us those emotions. We're not supposed to be driven by those emotions, of course. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be driven by the Word of God and, and by the Spirit of God. But He's given us those emotions, and those are gifts. Yeah. And they're supposed to be gifts, not liabilities. Yeah. And if Jesus, again, if Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God, the Father, and with men, I think we should do the same. Yeah. Yeah. So sum it up there. You've got your, your pillars of, of masculinity, of manhood. Hit, hit us with those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it starts out, again, from Luke 2.52. So it speaks into the intellectual side. I'll just sum it up with intellectual yeah. growth, physical strength, yeah. spiritual maturity, and then relational integrity. Yeah, it's good. So in that, I mean, you talk about the financial responsibility. You talk about uh, relationships relating to your wife, relating to friends with relational integrity, physical strength. That's being able to offer security with uh, within you know your home as as the masculine male. This is one of the things that you're supposed to do. I love I love how the Bible says this, and and this is not told enough. Man was created outside of the garden. And then he was brought back. He was brought into the garden. So there, there's something there about the, the wildness of a man and his masculine strength and all of those things. And also the tenderness and vulnerability that Eve had. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a garden. A garden's full of beauty. Beauty. And, and, you know, and just what all of that is. And all of that was, was held into Eve and it is into the ladies today. So... Yeah, that, that those are the four pillars, and I think this these four pillars allow us to be men of service, offering security, and and we're called to sacrifice. That's what it says in Ephesians five. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, just as Christ gave Him life for the church, that is what we are to be doing for our wives, particularly. Hmm. And and to me, uh, these are some of the most noble things that that any man can do. Mm-hmm. I just want to get up to, to one more thing yeah. about stoicism. We, we can move on if that's okay. Because, well, one of the things about, uh, about a walk with Christ is we're to love him with our, our whole heart and, and all of our soul. We're reminded in the scriptures many times to do that. So, so in that, it requires that, that we engage with more than our mind. More than simply looking for reason, yeah, or, or or pursuing our own virtuous efforts, right through through ourselves, and yet, so it's it's a walk with God, and there's this invitation. It's not it's not a limitation; it's an invitation. Yes, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your body, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I mean, that just opens us it opens us wide to God so he can by you know by his grace to permeate all those areas in our life that need to be 
worked yes. and, and, and brought into the life, so to speak. Yeah. And not, we don't strive in the shadow self thinking that we're accomplishing something, right. of which that is the danger I see with stoicism. It's like we think that we're accomplishing things, but, but how much of those accomplishments are actually just feeding a false self? Yeah. That as soon as we stop pursuing those things, we're going to revert back mm-hmm. to who we were to the beginning. And, you, and yet, it, it all rests on us. And yet, one of the things about Jesus' life is this. Jesus had the ability to connect with whatever emotion he needed at the time. Mm-hmm. If it was righteous anger, he had righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just turning over the, the money changers' tables. Every time, think about it. Well, he, and it's maybe dangerous to do this, but it, but just just go into the scriptures. And every time that he says, "You brood of vipers," <laughs> what do you think the conversation was like? Yeah, right. Had a little sting. <laughs> it, right, right. That, that's not the that's not the portrait of Jesus of him holding a lamb. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, that is his authority, and he had all authority in heaven and on earth. That's that's what it said. Yeah. In Matthew's case, so he has all authority. So he's just bringing all that. But yet, you also see that that in the moments of tenderness, that he was there when it when it came to the healings. Yeah, he never got so busy doing his own work that he couldn't help the person in front of him. Yeah. So even even in the midst of his everyday ministry, if he saw somebody who need ministered to, and he could have been on the way to the temple or even on the way to the cross, he stopped and helped the person mm-hmm. in need. Yeah. Lazarus. It says that Jesus wept. Yeah. That's not weakness. When a when a man has full possession and control over the emotion that he has at the time, but yet he's not controlled by the emotions. Yeah. That is masculine strength. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah. and obviously there's a gamut of emotions that are mentioned, so I'm just sure. kind of pointing at it. Yeah. But yet even in, in that's the amazing thing. So, so maybe there's there's a dad who's listened to this podcast today, and they're like, "And you said a lot of Jesus stuff." And I don't even know I don't even know where I am with Jesus. I, and I, I would just say, I'm so thankful that you're listening and you stayed with us this long. I think it's great that you're doing so. I hope this is beneficial for you. But I just want you to think about this. If you're a man, I want you to go into what what Christians call the Gospels. They're really just four biographies of Jesus. That's what they are. They're biographies of Jesus, and I want you to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want you to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and pay really close attention to what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. And tell me if those aren't the virtues that you'd like to see in your life. Yeah. That's you know, good. just so dads do that. And if you're, if again, struggling with the whole Christianity thing and you stuck with this this long, I, that's, that's what I would, I'm just, hey, if you're even curious. Go into those four biographies and look at Jesus' life, and then you tell me, wow, would, wouldn't those things, imp- wouldn't they, they be an improvement on your life? Hmm. And then I believe that, that you would allow to see Christianity not as something that is, is, is soft, mm-hmm. but as something that is, that is truly masculine. Yeah. That, that there's so much in it that there's, there's greater promises and there's greater hope. And there's greater strength than what what mere men yeah. can muster. 
You know, the other interesting yeah. thing too, just thinking through, you mentioned this earlier, but the the deeper you get going into stoicism, the more self-reliant you become. I mean, really what we're talking about self-reliance is switch it out with a biblical term means pride, like right. um, in a sense, putting yourself as God. All you're doing is yeah. building a brick wall of pride. The more you rely on yourself, the more accomplishment you get. Well, it must it must be because I'm doing stuff great. You're adding more bricks, and and the yeah. challenge to especially listeners who claim to follow Jesus, you know, you have to be aware of who you're following, who you're allowing, whether it's their content, their resources, their books, their podcasts, and mm-hmm. you know, and let's name them all. You know, um, you have to be aware yeah. of really. What, what's the underlying foundation here? Is this Jesus who says, who's really about humility? I mean, Scripture even mm-hmm. talks about he didn't think about equality with God as something. He humbled himself and became, yeah. And he, he, mm-hmm. he came in humility. He stepped out of heaven to do this for us. Like the nature of God, he's humble at heart still. He's mm-hmm. n- not interested in our self-reliance and in us building more pride by doing these stoic things. So part of the challenge to those of you who are following after Jesus is if you are following other, other, um, other influencers, pay attention to really what's the end result of that in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. Um, is it producing humility or is it producing self-reliance and a wall of pride? Right. The- the term that, that I've used a lot in, uh, in my life and then also through ministry work and then also just in, uh, in mentoring men is, is these two words, rugged individualism. Hmm. And America has produced a lot of rugged individuals. Yeah. And it's, it's the promise, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I yeah. think that's one, of, that's one of the things that are, that seems compelling too, because it's like, I, you know, I can, I can do it. If I work hard enough, I can do it. And it's, it's us, this achieving nature that's in us, that that's been in us, in us as a people for well over a hundred years, 150 years, probably with the industrial revolution and all of that. And, and just, and, and the wars and all the promises coming out of it. And even America itself. Yeah. It's like you can be your own person. You yeah. can, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And that idea of rugged individualism, it feeds the same narrative as stoicism. Yeah. So if you can control all these other things and you you can become who you want to be in these other areas, if you're if you're full bore on that, it's only going to make sense that you also believe that you can also do this spiritually. Yeah. Totally. So the the rugged individual. Or rugged individualism is uh, it's so deep seated into into us as a people in this country. Yeah, it's just this underlying belief that we can do anything we put our mind to it. Right, false gospel. Yeah, it, but right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so many dangers with that, and uh, and Jesus offers a better way. Um, so Chad, how can, uh, how can our listeners further connect with you? What you doing? Yeah, I launched a website that they can connect with. It's got my blog on there. It also has the pillars in more depth and I'll be just adding things there on a regular basis. Great. Um, 
and that's just the platform, but the website is beanewman.com. Okay. And also on Instagram at a new kind of man. So okay. you can find me there. I am I am there uh, regularly. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, but really you're going to get the conversation um, and, and the connection more in Instagram and also by subscribing to the blog. So, Chad, before we end our time, um, would you also just take a minute? Would you pray for us, pray for the dads out there? Absolutely. Father, we come before you, and God, I pray that you would speak to all these dads and all these men who are listening today. Father, I pray that you would speak to their heart. God, if there's anything that's, that's in them that is not of you, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them and that you would leave them uh, just through your kindness, through the path of repentance, God, so they can turn away from the false self and live into the true spirit-filled self that you have for them. God, I pray that you would inspire them to be the dads that you want them to be and the man, uh, the men that you want them to be. And Lord, if, if they're feeling lonely, uh, God, I, I pray that you would just bring about a, a man right in their context who they would be able to connect with and that the loneliness would go away. Or maybe maybe it's not a person, God, but maybe it's you. And they feel lonely, but they just need to open their eyes to to the reality of you. And Lord, for everything that, that Aaron and I have talked about, God, you know that we are works in progress. We are not the experts. We are simply practitioners of all of this in order mm-hmm. to by your grace that we have any understanding and wisdom. We have not arrived, and we are in deep need of everything that we talk about. And God, I pray that you would use uh, Aaron's work and this podcast and future podcasts to help dads everywhere to be the dads that would honor you and that also that their families need them to be. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Chad, again, thank you so much for joining us here. It's been a pleasure, man. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure for me as well. All right. God bless, brother. Talk to you soon. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at Dad in the Trenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.